The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, with uh, Budget 2024 on the horizon, the National Women's Council is launching a campaign to raise awareness and offer support to parents who are grappling with the issue of inaccessible or unaffordable childcare. The National Women's Council and parents are urging the government to shift towards a public model of early years education and childcare. Now, joining me is Orla O'Connor, Director of the National Women's Council. Orla, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, this is really uh, what most parents of young children would wish for, that you'd have a nationally funded childcare system. But that's not the way it is at the moment. It's incredibly fragmented and it's private. That's true. I mean, it is it is really based on a for profit model. And I mean, that's what the National Women's Council has been highlighting for a number of years. And I mean, just to say this is the norm across many countries in the EU. So we're saying very clearly to government that, yes, they need to make provision in this in this budget and continue with the promise that they gave last year to reduce fees to parents. So they promised in last year's budget that they would reduce fees over the course of two years by 50 percent. They start to that and we really welcomed it and they need to continue that. But but there's a longer term piece here and that is about a public model. And as I said, you know, we've seen in countries like Finland, in Denmark, there's a statutory right for every child for early years provision. Um, and and it's so it's a guaranteed high quality place. And that's really important for parents. Mm. Because this is such a big issue for, for women. And, you know, I must say, I've been director now in the Women's Council for over 10 years. And this is the constant issue that is raised in terms of being a barrier, whether it's, you know, in terms of work, paid work. But it's also about participating in communities, participating in politics. You know, the lack of affordable, accessible and flexible childcare is still an enormous barrier. And it's something that we can solve. Now, we are where we are at the moment uh, with... Uh, you know, the ECCE, the ECHA um, funding that goes to the younger children and then uh, older children. There have been attempts to to help uh, parents in that regard. Where do we go from here? Because we have, as I say, a fragmented uh, private. I mean, saying it's not for profit is it shouldn't be used as a stick to beat the operators with, because why would you be in any kind of business if you couldn't break even or somehow end up in the black? You wouldn't do it. No, I suppose, and you see, because we haven't had the investment that we should have had in the past, we are absolutely reliant on private providers to come in and provide the childcare that's needed. But what we're saying is that we need this cultural shift in terms of how we value childcare in early years. We need to transition to a system much more like our primary school system, where we see early years and out-of-school hours in that same way. And, and I mean, I think the important thing is government have put in place the building blocks for this model. As you said, they have the free preschool year. They've also moved to pay the salaries of the childcare workforce. And very significantly last year, they froze fees, which was so important for parents. But, but they need to continue on that journey. And that's why we're, you know, putting up those comparisons of other European countries where there's that guarantee for, for children. And also because of the flexibility. So, for example, you know, one of the things that women will say to us is, you know, 
many women work part-time, but because of the real um, lack of places, they end up having to pay for a full-time place because they can't possibly get that flexibility in terms of, you know, to meet, um, what you know, their working hours. Now, in a public model, that wouldn't be the case. And also, you know, from last year's budget, and, you know, rightly so, the government really upped their investment. There's over a billion being invested in early learning and care. And that's why I think it's really important that this is public money and we should be shifting into that public model so that all of the investment that's going in is going back into the quality of the service and the reduction mm. of fees for okay, parents. Okay, so, so Orla, how do you move from where we are now uh, to that publicly funded system and what would happen to the current operators and, and you know yourself that many of them are saying they just can't continue, they can't get the staff because they can't pay them enough yeah. uh, and, and they just can't make a living out of it. So, you know, threatening to pull out, meaning fewer places. How do you get from where we are to where you want to be? Mm. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. That is the challenge. And I think, you know, when we look at the sector, there are very different types of providers within our sector. So there are small scale providers that would happily move into a public model where all of, you know, all of their costs will be paid and there would be a clear, you know, management staffing structure because there are many small providers that are really not making um, you know, they're not really making um, profits. They're basically paying themselves a salary. OK, so but, no, no, but no, just to moving, tease that one out, sorry. you've got these small yeah. operators who've got uh, small premises and they're struggling mm. to, to get the ratios right and uh, pay for their insurances and all the rest. Do you envisage that they would hang on to their premises and, you know, that the the state would pay all the bills effectively? Well, yeah, but they would have to move into that public model. So, for example, all of the, you know, the investment that the state is giving. So for currently at the minute, the services that have bought into the, the freezing of fees have got increased investment from the state. So there certainly is a case for some of the very small scale private providers moving into that. But I suppose the other thing then, obviously there are large scale providers who are who are making large profits and would see this public model perhaps not in their interest. And there is nothing to stop in the same way that we have in our school system that, that you would have a continuation. So in some countries, for example, in, um, in Denmark, there is, you know, Primarily, it's a public funded model, but there are private providers that run alongside, but they don't get the state investment. So there's a decision to be made. Is that the better thing to do? So mm. and, and this is a transition. I mean, I completely accept that we're, this isn't where you would like to be starting from. And, and it is, you know, so so we're not saying this is going to happen tomorrow, yeah. but we're saying that this is the government needs to be clear that this is the this is where they're heading to mm. so that parents know that there will be that guarantee. Yeah, I'm just wondering, it's not sustainable it, it, at the moment. I, I don't know the situation in Finland or in Portugal or a, in Denmark, mm. which you have quoted. Um, but I'm wondering how many of the preschool places are actually located on the campuses of primary schools. Because it would seem to me to be a logical thing if you're building a new primary school that you might build a preschool alongside it. And the transition for the children from preschool into big school, if you like, would be so seamless. Yeah, no, I mean, t- to be honest, I'm not sure if that is the case in those countries, but absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things that we argued for a long time is that out of school hours provision that in all the building of new schools, there, sh- there should be after school also allowed for with- within that. And unfortunately, that hasn't been the case on new builds. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. That would make sense in terms of, you know, future future planning.
Um, some of the texts, let me get this right, couples want both partners to be able to work and the taxpayer to take care of their children while also giving them very generous uh, children's allowance, child benefit every month. Anyone would swear we are a socialist state. Now, the one I've been saying for years, the childcare should be under the control of the education system and the Department of Education. A creche attached to every primary school, staff employed and paid for by the department, and I'm sure most parents would contribute a fee of €50 Euro per week at a max to help wages. It would be great for children's education and follow on into primary education. That's from Stephen Cork. So uh, two alternative views. Um, and and, and how actually, many of the taxpayers, by the way, once their kids are out of a crash and into primary school, would feel comfortable about paying for the children of others? The eating bread is soon yeah. forgotten. I think, though, the, 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 one of the um, one of your listeners there said, because actually, you know, that is one of the things within, for example, a public model in other countries that for, you know, for people on low pay, for people um, on minimum wage, they it is fully free for them. But for, but it's a capping of a fee for people on higher incomes. So, for example, it's capped. Um, I'm just, you know, 200 euro. It's capped at in Finland. I think it's just under 170 in, in Portugal. So there is a proportion that people on higher incomes pay. But but they subsidised by the state in, in probably in the region of about seventy five percent, and I think that's you know that's absolutely acceptable in terms of that mm. model. All right, Orla, very interesting stuff. Orla O'Connor, director of the National Women's Council of Ireland. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.